0: Emperor Akihito has formally abdicated and delivered his final public address as
1: emperor.
0: It is fortunate that I have been able to perform my duty with profound trust in and respect for the Japanese people for 30 years. Japan's new emperor, Naruhito, has addressed the nation for the first time since becoming a monarch. I pledge
2: my duty to enhance people's happiness
1: and the peace of the world.
0: Hello, welcome to Japan in Focus. I'm Eleni Salters. Coming up, Japan's parliament votes for stricter action against workplace harassment.
1: It urges companies to take ethical action to improve their practices, but there's no penalty for not doing so.
0: More on that shortly... The Japanese justice system has been in the spotlight this year over the high-profile arrest and detention of former Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn. Ghosn was arrested in November and again in April in Japan over allegations of financial misconduct. He spent 130 days in the Tokyo detention house without being convicted of a crime and is now awaiting trial and denies the charges against him. Japan's system of refusing bail while suspects await trial, often for months, has drawn international criticism. And in a rare move this month, journalists were granted access to the Tokyo detention house where Gon was detained. Yuri Kageyama from the Associated Press was among the small group of reporters who visited the detention center. It
2: was extremely rare. I've been with the AP for uh, more than 20 years in, uh, and covering Japan. And this was the first opportunity.
0: And what did you see exactly? What are the rooms like? They
2: didn't take us to any of the floors where there were inmates. So what we saw were basically empty rooms. They were very small, I would say as big as big closet. If you are familiar with Japan, they are, rooms are measured in size of tatami mats. And there were basically only three tatami mats sideways laid across from each other. And then at the very end, there was one uh, window and below the window area, there was a toilet and a sink.
0: How often can inmates leave their solitary cells?
2: They said that they get exercise and they showed us the facility for the exercises too. It was a very small one, one area was, was a, was as big as like one, maybe one lane area of a bowling alley. But the other ones that they showed us where they said each person got to exercise was even smaller. It was even smaller than the the rooms. And they get to go and exercise for 30 minutes every day. When they're in their cells, they're not allowed to move around that much because they want to be able to make sure they're they're really there and not sick or hurting themselves, so they don't want a lot of movement in the cells when they're in the cells, so that's why they have to go to the exercise area.
0: And what about meals? What do they consist they, of?
2: Yeah, they, they showed us the samples of the meals, several samples. They do get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they said they had a professional nutritionist planning the meals so that they, that it is balanced and they do get rice and some kind of soup and I guess what you'd call the main dish, uh, like potatoes with meat or fish or something, you know, not not all at once, but per meal. But it looked kind of tiny. And I've noticed that, uh, well, Mr. Carlos Ghosn, the former chairman of uh, Nissan, uh, who, who was arrested and that's one of the reasons why the foreign media like us, we're very interested in what's what the Tokyo Detention House might be like. He lost a lot of weight while he was there.
0: He certainly looked different once a bail was granted. Uh, what prompted this visit, do you think? Why was the media allowed access?
2: Well, Mr. Goh was detained there. There was intense interest about the facility, what he might be uh, experiencing there. Suddenly, uh, here's this big business superstar being detained there, So then, um, I mean, maybe we should have been interested from before, but that really got everybody's attention.
0: Carlos Ghosn was in this prison cell for 130 days without a conviction. How many inmates would be in the same situation?
2: So there's 1,758 people at the detention house right now. And of those, 1,216 have not been convicted. So there are two types of, even within the ones that have not been convicted, there are two types. There's ones that haven't been even charged. Then they, the Japanese, uh, under the Japanese system, you, a person can be held up to 23 days per possible charge. So if you get charged with theft or something, then they can, this this is per possible charge means that you haven't even been Charged, but you maybe you're suspected of having stolen something, then you can be kept at this Tokyo detention house for up to 23 days. And during that period, what people are telling us, and also the prosecutors also tell us, is that they get questioned from um, several hours every day, and that's that's where the hostage justice, what the the name that the critics give this system originated is because you haven't even been charged and you're there for 23 days, possibly longer. If they add another charge like, you know, tampering with evidence or whatever, then then they can continue to extend your stay. And that's what leads to false confessions. That's what the critics are saying. And once you are charged and while the trial is being prepared, you may not get bailed. That doesn't mean you get bail once once you're charged. You can still they can still keep you there as long as um, the authorities think it is needed for you to stay. And so when uh, Carl's got Mr. Carl Scone got bailed out, actually that was really soon compared to a lot of other people. Some people have had to stay for a year waiting for the the I guess the court to decide that it's okay for that person to be released, that enough had been prepared for the trial. The preparations were adequately done for the trial so that now um, this person could be released. So um, we're talking about, you know, without charge and also once you're charged, you're also still not allowed to uh, post bail until uh, they decide that the preparations for the trial are
0: So, Yudi, in light of all this and putting the spotlight on the Japanese justice system, how does inviting journalists to just see the cell and the condition of the cell allay these uh, concerns expressed by these critics?
2: Well, good question. Um, The facility itself, they're not the prosecutors, right? And they're not the courts. And they are trying to show that they're doing their best to take care or watch the detained people.
0: So let me then ask you, the emphasis here is on a safe and clean cell, but I, I guess it still doesn't address that issue of the time in which one inmate spends in that cell without conviction. Yeah.
2: That, that is a legitimate question about, I mean, correctional facilities are correctional facilities wherever you go around the world, but the question is who's there? And also, I, I. But I think that it was. It is. You know, it is interesting that they they wanted to show it to us that that the prisoners weren't victims of violence. You know, they weren't being starved. They weren't being chained to the wall or those those. You know, they wanted to show it to us, and it it does give insight to how they think and how the system works or or um, what it's designed for. That's why I think it was very insightful for the reporters to. Be able to
0: see it. Associated Press journalist Yuri Kagayama there. And you're listening to Japan in Focus on ABC News Radio. The Japanese diet has voted to force companies to take stricter action against harassment in the workplace. But will it work? And how serious is the problem in Japan? Scott North is a professor of sociology at Osaka University. He says this kind of harassment tends to be underreported.
1: In uh, 2017, which is the last year for which the Labour Ministry has published figures, there were 71,000 cases of various kinds of harassment reported to them. About 23% of all of the complaints received had to do with harassment. So it seems pretty widespread. And I would imagine that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, many people who are harassed don't speak out because uh, they might fear uh, starting uh, you know, a problem in the workplace. Uh, they don't wish to make a, uh, an issue out of something that you know, is in many ways a kind of grey area. I mean, exactly what constitutes harassment uh, is uh, a serious issue and is very hard to define.
0: You say this is widespread, but this issue is not exclusive to Japan. But I wonder, are there any unique characteristics or or settings that are quintessentially
1: Japanese? Hmm. Well, Japan's culture is one in which, you know, older, more experienced people generally give instruction to younger, less experienced people. And the way in which that sort of teaching takes place can sometimes resemble kindly mentorship. But in other cases, there's a sort of tough love aspect to it uh, and, you know, when that tough love crosses the line, you know, from concern for the well-being of the subordinate to something a little bit closer to what we might call harassment, then, you know, then it becomes a serious problem. It, for me, the the issue revolves around what people consider to be the sort of common sense about the, these sorts of workplace relationships In Japanese, the expression is shakai tsunen, which means the general social sense of what's uh, appropriate or right. So the the question is, whose common sense are we talking about here? Older Japanese men may have been brought up in an environment in which the tough love aspect was expected and very common, and people didn't complain about it, and now that they've become bosses and they try to use those sorts of teaching methods with their subordinates, they find uh, that you know younger men and and young women reject those approaches to workplace education and guidance. Um, they find them invasive. They find the kinds of practices that uh, people are using to be you know a violation of their individual rights or their privacy. Um, so this is where the you know the problem gets started. My understanding is that the the concept of harassment came into Japan from France, where it was called moral harassment. Here in Japan, it, for a while, I've, I've been to meetings where people talked about morahara, but more recently, um, other terms have become more common, such as hawahara, power harassment. And then there's even uh, patahara for uh, paternity harassment. There was a, a recent case of a Japanese worker who took paternity leave, And when he returned to his company, he was transferred uh, halfway across the country to a distant location. And he felt like this was kind of a payback for having taken paternity leave. It's a complicated story, of course, but his wife went on social media and publicized this sort of disciplinary, what seemed to be a disciplinary action for taking advantage of a social program that the government is actually promoting. They want men to take paternity leave. And so then the the social media, you know, that debate lit up and she was criticized by some people for publicizing this sort of thing. She was supported by others who felt that the company had You know, violated a sort of you know uh, its its responsibilities to to preserve uh, the employee's right to take you know paternity leave without any kind of uh, uh, revenge.
0: Japan's parliament has voted to force companies to take stricter action against harassment in the workplace. What are they being required to do now?
1: Well, the first part of it is to provide what they call a madoguchi or some sort of a a place where workers can bring their concerns uh, and can consult. And many companies have had this for some time, seems to be most common actually in companies between say 100 and 500 workers the really large companies also have it about 30 percent of such companies have some kind of ombudsman or you know some office that uh, will deal with these kinds of complaints so that's the main thing being required of companies is that they allow so there's some sort of a a a place for workers to consult about the way they're being treated by their boss
0: but do you think it will work
1: well it's it's a double-edged sword um If a worker goes to an in-house consultation, the problem could be kept inside the company uh, and there could be, you know, consequences for the worker later on. You know, complaining about your employment to your employer is, uh, uh, that's fraught with some difficulties.
0: What are the penalties if companies don't abide by this law?
1: Uh, no penalties are provided. As with many Japanese civil statutes, this is an exoratory sort of uh, law. It urges companies to take ethical action to improve their practices, but there's no penalty for not doing so.
0: Scott North, a professor of sociology at Osaka University there. And that's all for Japan in Focus for this week. <laughs> See you next time.